Welcome into Words with Wallace. I'm your host, Nick Wallace, coming at you. It is Wednesday, October 11th, and I'm super excited to be coming at you guys today. We are officially less than two weeks away from the start of the NBA season. And for this podcast, I wanted to do something a little bit different. It's an episode I've, I've probably mentioned a handful of times now. I've been wanting to do it for a while. This is my My Guys episode. So we're going to dive into exactly what that means in a hot second. Uh, but really just wanted to check in with you guys here. Not a ton uh, of pressing NBA news since the last time we spoke. Obviously, we've had the start of the NBA preseason Got to be honest with you, haven't been too dialed into that, have a lot of stuff going on recently, but I definitely will get dialed in, of course, by the time of tip-off in less than two weeks, and maybe even catch some of the preseason action before we connect again next week. Uh, but that being said, still super excited to talk to you guys. Not a ton of other updates besides the start of the preseason. You know, I guess if you guys want me to dive into the James Harden news, uh, you know, really, it's it's pretty ugly. You know, it seemed like he wasn't going to report. Then he ended up reporting to camp in Colorado, as far as I know, for the Sixers. So he's obviously still fighting pretty hard to get traded. We'll see if the Clippers end up putting a package together for him that is uh, competitive enough for Daryl Morey to accept. I would basically doubt that at this point in time. I would expect him to be on the roster uh, at least to start the season. We'll see how, how it shakes out in early season. Maybe they can run into some success early on. They're obviously still an extremely talented team, and maybe that'll make James want to stick around. We'll see how that ends up going. And then I would expect him to then, you know, have all this kind of start up again with the trade talks surrounding the trade deadline if things aren't cooking with the Sixers by then. But Let's move on to the bread and butter of this episode, which is, again, my, my guys. So I guess there's a couple different ways I, I could have branded this, right? Like, I guess I could say most some of the most underrated players in the league, you know, some of my favorite players, maybe even breakout candidates. Um, it's kind of a mix of those three items. They're really just guys I rock with, right? Just like you guys rock with me, right? You're listening to this podcast, right? We know there's literally dozens of us, dozens of Words with Wallace listeners out there. So uh, we know where we're at. We know we're not exactly big time quite yet. So if you rock with me, you're listening to this podcast, right? So you should rock with my, my guys. This is what this is all about. These are my guys, uh, players I've loved watching over the course of their career, players I'm excited about what contributions they can make on their respective teams this season. And the way I did it, I did try to kind of build like a lineup, if you will, um, one through five. I know possessions don't really exist much anymore. We'll kind of kick things off with the quasi point guard of this group, move on to the shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center to round things off. So just five guys that I got for you, you know, draft them on your NBA fantasy teams if you're into that um, and just keep an eye on them for this season because I think big things are coming. So I felt like going into this episode that I would basically be allowed, you know, basically one homer pick, right? Like I can't, I can't just roll out, you know, three, four, five Celtics on you. That's, that's really no fun, right? Uh, but I, I did allow myself one homer pick and this is kind of what I wanted to kick things off with. And the first, my guy and the point guard of this fake roster, lineup, whatever you want to call it, is my guy, Derek White. So I know you guys have heard me talk um, you know, a lot about him during this past season. He had a fantastic year for the Celtics uh, this past season, and I think that that is going to continue, and he's actually going to be even better uh, heading into next season, and I'm going to tell you guys why. Now, first of all, um, obviously the Celtics, you know, they made a lot of moves this offseason, right? You know, the departures of, you know, Rob Williams, Grant Williams, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, and Marcus Smart. Uh, the additions of Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, I know that that's kind of where the attention's going to go. You know, people are obviously talk still talking about Tatum and Brown being our two best players, and then the two, you know, shiny new toys in Drew and Kristaps. And 
you know, the Celtics fans and NBA fans as a whole have every reason to be excited for all for all four of those guys. But the fifth guy uh, that is projected to be in our starting lineup and I think could be um, obviously one of the most important players of the team is Derek White. What a lot of people don't realize is that Derek White was, in fact, the best guard on the Boston Celtics last season. Uh, for those that really followed the team closely, I don't even think this is necessarily a hot take. Um, obviously, if you kind of looked at the you know accolades on paper, I guess you could suppose it, it might paint a different picture, right? Marcus Smart was coming off of a Defensive Player of the Year season the previous year. Obviously, he was extremely beloved by the fan base and still is, even though he's no longer on the team. And then you had you know Malcolm Brogdon, who obviously put together a Six Man of the Year campaign last year. But Derek White again was truly the most consistent guard for this team uh, and was the best player. And the theme of this list is going to be the statistical profile for all the guys in this list really doesn't you know paint the full picture for how valuable these guys are to their respective teams. And that is certainly the case here with Derek White because you know you look at the stats last year, he put up like 12 points per game, four rebounds, four assists. But what really jumps out is the fact that he averaged a full block per game, you know, playing the a guard position, which is absolutely unheard of. He far and away led the, the league uh, in blocks for guards last season. If you look at the top, you know, blocks per game leaders, total block leaders, Derek White is literally the only guard on that list. And again, for those that watch the team, it wasn't a fluke, right? Like this guy... You know, literally has such fantastic timing around the rim. Uh, something about him is pretty unassuming. Like maybe it's just because people assume he's a good perimeter defender. They, you know, maybe get a step on him going to the basket. They don't think he's going to be able to recover. But something about his timing, his quickness, his hands. Uh, he's an incredible shot blocker as well. And I would expect that number to, you know, kind of continue. I would expect him to lead the league in blocks uh, again for guards this season. And, you know, perhaps it has something to do with just how the guy looks. I mean, uh, I'm not sure if this is a Bill Simmons thing or a Rosillo thing, but I know one of them coined the term like the Shamit face, which refers back to Landry Shamit, a uh, pretty ugly dude role player that's bounced around the league here and there. And basically their theory comes down to like, you know, maybe if he was, you know, a more handsome guy, you know, Landry Shamit's a super jacked up in the face. And so, you know, maybe if he was a more handsome guy, like a, like a Jason Tatum, perhaps he would, you know, maybe make a little bit more money. Maybe he'd have more respect around the league. Maybe he'd have a little bit more commercial success. Uh, I would firmly put Derek White in this bucket as well. Uh, there is no getting it. Like, again, love the guy. Great dude. So happy he's on my team. Could not be much uglier, if if we're being frank. Like, uh, I actually can because he did get more ugly this past offseason. He went full bald. Uh, it is pretty jarring for those that haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, he obviously had the receding hairline issue. That, that headband was seemingly expanding day by day, just kind of trying to cover it all up back there. But good for Derek for embracing it. I don't think the league is ready for a bald Derek White. Certainly not sharing a backcourt with Drew Holiday. I mean, that is going to be extremely intimidating. Uh, but again, Derek is approaching Adam Morrison levels of ugly. I think that works in his favor, helps with that pit bull mentality. Uh, and I know I just kind of put him on blast a little bit, but genuinely love Derek White. Let's kind of refocus and get back to the point of this. He's a stud, uh, one of the best defenders in the league, one of the best interior defenders for, gu for guards in the entire league. We're lucky to have him, and I would expect his role to expand, right? Like, of course, um, you know, last year, one thing that the Celtics ran into quite a bit was, you know, something that I talked about with RJ on the podcast was like, what really plagued the team was late game execution, right? And, and part of that is because we had... At a point last season, eight real guys that could be on the court um, in the in that closing five, if you will, uh, for the Celtics in any given night in any given matchup. Like we didn't know who our go tos were, you know. Besides the obvious in Tatum and Brown, really, we had a lot of moving pieces around them, and a lot of that issue is like you know you had a guy like Marcus Smart that had been there, you know, basically ten years. 
uh, was absolutely beloved in the city, coming off of a defensive player of the year campaign like we discussed. It's really hard for a, a first-year head coach in Joe Missoula to, you know, take Marcus Smart out of the game and put in a guy like Derek White, who doesn't have that same equity with the fan base. But if you really watch the games, you know that, you know, I think White was a better defender last year. He was certainly a better player overall. Um, and again, I think that that, you know, Moving on from Marcus Smart, while it is really sad to see him go, that opens the door for Derek White. He should be out there in, in basically every single clutch time situation. His minutes overall should increase. Obviously, you know, that benefits Peyton Pritchard as well as being the primary backup guard on this roster now. So I'm really excited to see what Derek White looks like without having that shadow of Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon hanging around. He is in the closing five for us virtually every game, and we're really lucky to have him. I think I covered Derek White at nauseum there. So let's move on to my shooting guard on this fake lineup. This is probably, this is kind of one for me. Again, this, this is a my guys episode, right? I think these other guys you can make, I can make really, really strong arguments that these guys contribute to winning basketball at a high level. This one I'm not super sure about, but we're going to roll with it anyway. This is my guy, Norm Powell. Um, I am kind of kicking myself because I had Darian Vaziri of the Locked On Clippers podcast on, you know, probably about five episodes ago at this point. Uh, he was great. Definitely check out his podcast if you haven't already. And I am kind of bummed that I just, like, didn't go into the weeds more on Norm Powell because he's been my guy for a while now. Like, again, I, I, don't, I know I should probably go into further detail again. He is a shooting guard on the Clippers. This guy's just a bucket. He's just like a hooper's hooper, right? Like, again, I don't know how well his you know, skill set really translates to winning basketball because he is basically a quintessential spark off the bench, a quintessential, you know, get hot, streaky shooter, uh, you know, can go off for 15, 20 points in a quarter. And it's really not all that surprising for a player that doesn't have the same recognition as others. Uh, but that being said, I just love his game. I think that he is an absolute pit bull out there, uh, a little bit undersized at the shooting guard position. He's obviously bounced around, started his career on Toronto, moved on to Portland. Now he's with the Clippers. But again, I just think with how much that team has to deal with the Kawhi load management with his degenerative knee, with Paul George always seeming to be hurt, missing at least 15, 20 games per season. You know, they really rely on Norm Powell in a lot of big stretches. You know, as much as Westbrook was kind of like the, the redemption story and he was kind of the big, you know, headline for the Clippers during that, you know, fairly short playoff run that they had, I felt like I was just kind of excited to see Norm Powell go out there and cook because I swear to God, he is, he is the guy whenever I put on my TV and watch the Clippers, he's always cooking somebody. I love his game. I love how smooth he is. I love how quickly he can get to the rim too. Not afraid to absolutely give somebody a body. Uh, headed over the basket as well. You know, I think for Norm Powell next season, I don't think his role is going to really look dramatically different. That's why he's kind of like a, a little bit of an outlier on this list. Um, it, it really just because it's going to be difficult for him to be better statistically than he was last season. You know, putting up 17 points per game, averaging, you know, a couple assists here, a couple rebounds, shooting exactly 40% from three, which is obviously exactly what you want to see. But still, the fact that he put up 17 points a game is is pretty nuts. Uh, really just kind of shows that, like, I, I don't know if there's many players with less name recognition that are scoring that many points, especially for teams that are relevant. Like, he's in a big market. He plays for a team, you know, with championship aspirations for what it's worth in the Clippers. But I just love his game. And it'll be just I just want you guys to be mindful of him when you, you, you put on League Pass on a random Thursday night and he's absolutely torching somebody. So with that being said, we can move on to the next player on this list. And this guy... Believe it or not, seems pretty random, I know, but he's actually the reason that, like, sparked this entire segment when I've, I've watched, you know, weirdly a lot of Pelicans games last season, and I am just a humongous fan of Trey Murphy, the third. Um, I just actually feel like he is the absolutely 
perfect 3 and D player uh, with the upside for more, right? He's actually only going into his third season. He obviously was drafted by the Pelicans a couple years ago. Um, he was a part of the same rookie class as Herb Jones, who was, you know, pretty fantastic in his rookie season. Uh, Herb, you know, coming from Alabama, immediately kind of cemented himself as one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. I'm pretty sure he has an all-defensive team to show for it, which is great. And the Pelicans just as a whole have an abundance of wings, so it's kind of hard for people to get their shine. But I felt like Trey Murphy was far better than Herb Jones last season. Um, and it was really just because of what he does on the offensive end. I would expect him to make another huge leap. You know, his rookie season only averaged about five points a game. But as we see in many cases, just took a massive leap heading into his second year, averaging 15 points per game last season. You know, a couple assists here, a couple rebounds there. Again, shot over 40% from three, which is fantastic. The defense is there. The athleticism is actually insane. He's, he, you know, if you look up his highlight reel for what it's worth, if you're, you know, a TikTok basketball consumer, I'm sure Trey Murphy has some weird niche fans out there because he does have some pretty crazy dunks that are in-game as well. Uh, I just love the trajectory of him. I kind of wish he was on a team with a little bit less wing depth, like they felt the need to acquire Josh Richardson during last season, right? You you would expect Zion to be back in the mix. Brandon Ingram missed a bunch of games. You already have Herb Jones, like we talked about. Uh, and I know there's some a, a few more on the team that I'm not even naming right now. So again, I just hope Trey Murphy continues to get his shine because I do think he has the potential to be a very talented role player in this league for, for years to come. And who even knows what that ceiling is? Again, jumping up from 5 to 15 points per game is nothing to scoff at uh, between years 1 and 2. So we will see what is in store for year 3, especially if he's a part of a, a healthier Pelicans campaign where I would still expect him to be prominently featured. Moving on to the next player on this list, we have my guy Jared Vanderbilt of the Los Angeles Lakers. Vanderbilt has a pretty funky career here because even I kind of forgot he was on Denver before he even moved, was moved over to the Timberwolves where he started to get some real run in the NBA. He was actually a part of that Rudy Gobert trade that of course sent uh, Rudy Gobert from the Utah Jazz over to the Minnesota Timberwolves and one thing that kind of jumped out to me early on about Vanderbilt is that, you know, obviously Wolves fans, uh, I'm seeing what they're tweeting on Twitter and they're excited about getting Rudy Gobert and like, you know, obviously the whole league is kind of dunking on them for giving up five first round picks and all that shit, right? But but a lot of Timberwolves fans out there were actually really bummed out that they lost Jared Vanderbilt. You know, they're trying to reason with themselves they're like, hey, at least we still have Jaden McDaniels. I'm like, do they, they realize how stupid they sound right now, right? Like, you literally just gave up all this draft capital and you're really like being upset that the fact that you just gave up Jared Vanderbilt... But I got to say, the more I watched Jared Vanderbilt, I really kind of dialed in after seeing that last year. And I was like, you know what? They're kind of right. He was a really useful part of the Utah Jazz rotation and became a really big pickup for the Lakers. And, you know, I do think he, he had his moment late in the regular season for the Lakers, right? Like there was just a few game stretches where he was every single night taking on the best player. You know, he guarded Ja for stretches of that Memphis series. He had a really, really fantastic game where they beat the Mavs uh, toward the end of the regular season before the Mavs decided to throw in the towel, right? Where he actually played really great defense on Luka. I wouldn't say that he locked up Luka. I wouldn't say that he locked up Steph in some games against Steph in, around that time as well. Uh, but he did do a really great job at defending uh, two of the best guards in the entire NBA. A lot of guys claim that they can guard one through five and coaches will use that term a lot. I think there's probably a short list of probably, you know, five players in the entire league that I would put on there. And I think Jared Vanderbilt is definitely one of them. You know, the unfortunate thing for Vanderbilt is obviously it was just a tough matchup for him against the Denver Nuggets where he kind of fell out of the rotation a little bit for Darvin Ham and that Lakers coaching staff. Um, they just kind of opted for Rui, who was obviously red hot during the playoffs, a little bit more consistent perimeter shooting to say the least. But the thing is, if Jared Vanderbilt can develop a consistent three ball and just, you know, hit threes in the corner at a 35% clip, 
they are going to need him in the regular season, and I would expect him to be a massive part of that rotation. That front court of Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt can be absolute hell for teams on a given night. And I think during the regular season where, you know, there's less game planning, there's less uh, strategy that goes into each individual matchup where they, you know, teams can really prey on the fact that Vanderbilt might not be the most consistent outside shooter and they're just kind of, you know, on to the next one after each and every game. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt can be like, all right, coach, who's next? Is it is it Booker one night? You know, are we switching over where he's going to be guarding Tatum the next night, like depending on what that schedule looks like. I think Vanderbilt is a coach's dream to have uh, somebody that willing and able to take on most challenging defensive assignment every night. And I think with Vanderbilt, it's just a really nice story too, just not to get too sappy on you guys, but it's kind of rare to see somebody as young as he is. He's only 24 heading into next season. Um, and he's already played on four different teams. He played a total of like 20 something games for Denver before getting an opportunity with the Timberwolves. Obviously that's kind of where he had his initial success playing half a season in Utah and then half a season in LA. Hopefully he's finally found a, a more permanent landing spot with the Los Angeles Lakers. And I am excited to see what he gets into because as we know, he's going to be on national TV a ton with him being on the Lakers again, being on one of these teams with championship aspirations. So excited to see what's on store with him and see if he can maybe make an offensive leap to complement all the great things he does on the defensive end of the court. Moving on to the final player we are going to be talking about here today, and that is my guy, Alfie Alfred Shangun of the Houston Rockets. Um, this is a very different pick, basically a polar opposite player of someone we were just talking about in Jared Vanderbilt, because I do believe that Alfred Shangun is one of the most offensively talented bigs we have in the entire league. I do firmly believe he is a top five passing big man in the league, without a doubt. He definitely has a top five post game as well, because that is basically, you know, post play at this point in the modern NBA is mostly extinct. Uh, but he is so talented. He has, if you look up his highlight reel, it's honestly kind of sick. You know, him being a six foot 11 center, uh, you know, with kind of T-Rex like arms and kind of a, a barrel chest. Like he's just built so funny and he's not afraid to take the ball up the court. He can be sneaky, athletic, uh, low key can dunk on some guys as well. Now the big question with Shangun, and again, why I said he's a complete opposite of Jared Vanderbilt is that the defense is been really tough so far, right? He's been a pretty terrible defender. But at the same time, you kind of got to look at the guy and evaluate the situation he's in, right? He's on the Houston Rockets. Um, you know, he has virtually no talented defenders last year through the first two years of his career. He has had no perimeter defensive threats out there. So people are three steps past their man by the time they're even getting to the rim where he's expected to come in and help. Um, he's never going to be an elite rim protector. He's not built like that. He doesn't have the athleticism for that. But I am just interested to see, like, hey, now that they got a guy in Dylan Brooks, now they have another adult in the room in Fred Van Vliet, and they have a brand new coaching staff led by Ime Adoka, I just think that this could really change things for Shangun. And the more I look around that team, the more I like what I see. I think there's a lot of great players over in Houston. Obviously, they're pretty excited about their new draft pick in Amen Thompson as well, who's going to be a really special perimeter defender. So... I think that's what obviously that's, you know, as a former Celtics head coach, I was very familiar with Ime Doka, very familiar with his defensive philosophy, how talented he is there. He's going to force the Rockets into making a large defensive leap. So we will see, you know, there's also the chance it goes the other way and Shangun is kind of caught in the shuffle and he's just not fitting what Ime needs. But I do think he's so talented offensively. They're going to need to have him out there. And I think he literally has the potential to be a star in this league. You know, again, statistically made a pretty big leap between year one and year two. Now, again, it is for the Rockets, one of the worst teams in the, in the league for his first two seasons, but going from 10 points a game up to 15 points per game, you know, averaging four assists per game, nine rebounds, um, shooting the ball at a pretty good clip as well at 34% from three last season. So you got to like what you see there. 
I'm just really excited for more people to pay attention to Shangun if the Rockets are any sort of competitive. And between the coaching and, and the additions that they made in free agency uh, and through the NBA draft, I would expect this team to get a lot more competitive. And I'm excited for Shangun to get the shine that he deserves. So with that, that just about does it. That is my My Guys episode heading into the 2023-2024 NBA season. Some guys for you guys to keep in mind. Um, I do think if you were to put this team together, you know, you build that lineup, you take a lineup of, again, Derek White at the one, Norm Powell at the two, Trey Murphy at the three, Jared Vanderbilt at the four, Shangun at the five. You know, assuming that's the starting lineup, you give them like league average depth. You know, how many wins are we talking about in a season? You know, if we're lucky, probably like 35 wins, right? Like maybe, you know, that's probably on the higher end of things. I don't think that this is, again, the most talented group in the league, but I do think these are really, really good role players for the most part, guys that I do think could take a leap in a couple years as well. So I am excited about their outlook, uh, and hopefully you guys are as well. Hopefully you learned a thing or two about some of these guys. And again, we will see, right? We are less than two weeks away from the start of the NBA season. Just a few more guys to have on your radar. But with that, I think that just about covers it for me today, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I just got on to kind of vibe with you guys, tell you about some guys I'm super excited about, uh, and you guys can catch me next week. I'm thinking of doing my predictions segment, kind of an overview of the season, uh, giving my awards pick, giving my final four, things of that nature. So you can expect that to come in roughly a week. But until then, be sure to follow at Words with Wallace on everything, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to share the show, tell a friend, and I will talk to you guys next week. Peace.